Hey, why is it so much fun to laugh when somebody gets tickled at themselves, right? Isn't that awesome? Hey, welcome to Victory Church. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us today on Father's Day Sunday, welcome. We're so glad that you're here, that you are here. As Brian said, please fill out one of those cards so that we can reach out to you, connect with you. We've got a whole team that would love to touch base and just do our best at filling you in and connecting you to community. I think probably the second best thing, I think the first best thing about church on Sunday is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the second best thing is community, and so we want to do our best to connect you to community. Amen? Yeah? Practicing that already. How you like that, Brian? Um, hey, real quick, before we get into the Word, I want to give you two thoughts or, or explain two things that are happening, one that's already happened, uh, one that is coming up that involves financing. I always love to get up here and say thank you to every person that gives financially through tithes and offerings to Victory every month. We're able to do so much, and so I want to share with you something we already did, and then share with you something that we are currently fixing to do. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had the opportunity to provide a steak and potato and salad lunch to all the teachers at Rock Springs Middle School. For those of you that have been riding with us for five years since we started the church, we planted it in Rock Springs Middle School in Smyrna. And so every year we try to kind of take a meal and celebrate those teachers and tell them how great of a job they've done in their career, but also just thank you for letting us be able to come in and get started there. And so it's an honor to be in our building here, but we never want to forget where we came from. So thank you because of your, your faithfulness. We were able to go in and provide steak and potato and uh, just a great meal to celebrate those teachers. On July 1st, Saturday, July 1st, we will gather at Lee Victory Park in Smyrna for the 4th of July big event. We're a part of it every year that we've been a church. And what we do, we do two different things. We set up a tent and we have kind of glow-in-the-dark necklaces and bracelets and we pass those out for free to the kids and we share about Victory Church. And then we provide a dunk tank and myself and some of the city officials get in the dunk tank and we charge a dollar for three balls and people come in and, and they get three chances to dunk us. And then we take 100% of those proceeds and give them to Nourish Food Bank. And so it's just been a great ministry we've been able to do every year. And we want to invite you out for a couple things. You can come out and help hand out the bracelets. You can come out and get in the dunk tank. No? Okay. Um, but you can, nothing else, bring your chair out, come, fellowship, connect. If you just say, hey, I just want something to do. I want to be a part of it. And then we, we, a lot of us will stay through the night until the fireworks happen that night. And it's just a great time. Kids can run and play. There's food trucks. There's inflatables. It's just a great time. So if you'd like to volunteer, we'd love for you to come out. If you just want to come and hang out, we'd love to have you too. But again, thank you to every person that gives financially. We're able to do so much in our community. If you're saying, hey, I want to start uh, uh, tithing, I want to start giving towards victory, you can do that as well. As the video said, you can do it at the website or you can give on your way out, but we'd love for you to start partnering with what God's doing right here in Antioch, Tennessee. You ready for the word? All right, if you got your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians ch chapter 5. We are in a series called Following Jesus. Uh, it'll actually come to a close next Sunday. The final uh, message in this series will happen next Sunday, and then we'll start a brand new series in July called Patterns. This message this Sunday, it's kind of, kind of a hybrid. It's got uh, the Following Jesus theme to it. It's also got kind of a Father's Day theme to it, but it's also kind of a trailer into our pattern series. And so if, if you like the content of the message, if you leave out of here going, I really enjoyed that, then you know you're going to enjoy the messages in July. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll start reading at verse 11. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Corinth, and he's just kind of walking them through what we can expect and how we can walk as believers. He says, since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. 
We try to persuade others. When we, so now that we know all this great stuff, we're trying to share the gospel and tell other people about it. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. In other words, so that the way we live our life would be an encouragement to people so they would want to experience God based off of our life. I'm going to talk about this next Sunday. It's a great message, I think. You don't want to miss it. He goes on to say, if we're out of our mind, because people in that day were starting to call Christ followers and Christians out of their mind. So he says, if we're out of our mind, as some say, we're out of our mind for God. If we're crazy, we're crazy for God. We're crazy. We come off crazy because all that God's done in our life. And then he goes on to say, but if we're in our right mind, so if we're crazy, we're crazy for God. If we're not crazy, we're toning it down a little bit for you because we want you to be able to experience God, he says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. The the death of Jesus Christ for our sins has compelled us. That's why we come off crazy. He says, he, Jesus, died for all, all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So he's saying we should live our lives. We should be crazy because we're living our lives for the one who died from us or for us. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. And here's the sentence I really wanted to to kind of build on today. He says, therefore, as a result of all that Jesus has done, if anyone is in Christ, everybody say in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, then they are a new creation. The new creation has come. The old has gone. Everybody say old, gone. And the new is here. If anyone is in Christ as a result of what Jesus has done, if we are in Christ, we are new. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I'm I'm coming at it from a a title today that is the new me, the the new me, K-N-E-W. Say, Troy, you don't know how to spell. I, I know how to spell. It's kind of a play on words, the new me, and you'll see where I'm going with this. But, but first, let me set up some, some basic principles. Let me start off by this story. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, a friend of mine, a member of the church, came to me, and he wanted me to go along with him on a bachelor party. To, we were going to have dinner, and then we were going to throw axes. It was the second time I had ever thrown axes, and we went to this area kind of in downtown Nashville, and we get there, and we walk in, it's a packed place, and you've got all your different bays where people are throwing axes. And by the bay, each bay had its own like table with bar stools. And there were people sitting at the tables, and most of them had food, and they had beer. Okay, So I walked in, and I know what we're about to do. We're about to throw very sharp objects. And I walk in, and I'm making the connection, and I'm looking at the guy that works, and I'm like, is, is that normal? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's normal. He's like, we let people bring in their food, bring in drinks. And so I'm sitting back. And I'm not the smartest person in the world, guys. But I'm thinking, I don't know that, that someone getting intoxicated and then throwing a sharp object is the smartest thing to do, right? Like, I was just like, I don't, I don't really know that this makes a lot of sense here in this situation. Like, I, I get it. Tell them to have a good time. But, but I don't know that we should let them have that good time and then throw 
taxes because my life is at risk in this current place. And so I'm kind of looking at it going, I don't know how this is going to go. And the guy's like, oh, it's, it happens all the time. Don't worry about it. And so I'm like, okay. So, so we go and we, we get the bay and we're getting ready to throw axes. And I'm sitting there and I'm talking to the friend of mine. And we've got about the space of a table or so between us. And one of the ladies from that group goes up and she's throwing her axe and she throws it and something goes wrong. And all I hear is a scream and we look and her axe comes flying right in between me and my buddy and crashes into the wall. And we're just looking at each other and we're like, all right, there you go, right? Like we almost died in this moment. So I tell you that story so that you're really excited to go out and be ready to throw sharp objects. Uh, we got beer out there for you. You're ready to go? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so you go out there and enjoy yourself today. But, but the first time that I ever went axe throwing, I was terrible at it. it just, I just I could not get the axe to stick. It would hit the wood and bounce off. And one of the employees came to me and he said, um, he said, are, are you into sports and stuff? And I was like, well, yeah. And he goes, do you throw football or, or throw Frisbee or anything like that? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I've, I've done it all. And he said, okay, that's probably your problem. He said, we deal with this all the time. He said, people come in here and they're so used to throwing with their wrist. He said, they either throw a Frisbee with their wrist or they throw a football with their wrist or they shoot a basketball with their wrist. And he said, so they come in to throw an ax and they're trying to throw it with their wrist. And he said, you, you don't want to do that. You just want to hold it and throw it, and when you throw it, just let it go. He was like, don't bend your wrist at all. Just let it go. And once he taught me that, and I started doing it, I was much better at it. And we were talking about that afterwards, and he said, yeah, it just, it's natural. He said, people come in, and they want to do what they know. It's just a natural thing. They come in, and what they know is to throw with their wrist, and therefore, they want to do what they know. So I taught you right now how to throw the axe when you go out there, but it also set up my sermon. When you and I have difficulties experiencing something new in our life, our tendency is to return to what we know. When we are facing something that's new, whether it's a new thought, whether it's a new experience, and we are met with any kind of resistance, we are met with any kind of hardship, the temptation in us is to stop doing that new thing and return to the old thing that we know. You guys have all been there before where you experienced something new. Maybe it was a new experience. Maybe it was something new financially or maybe it was new relationally. And it was difficult and it wasn't comfortable. And the moment it became uncomfortable, we abandoned the new thing and we returned to what we know. Likewise, when it comes to our transformation in Jesus, when it comes to you and I choosing to follow Jesus and then experiencing the new us, it's only in letting go of who we think we know we are, you're hearing me? It's only in letting go of who we think we know that we are that we then have an opportunity to discover who we can become. In order for us to really be able to embrace this new us, we have to be willing to let go of the old us. I read an article years ago that talked about the brain and how you and I, through patterns, we kind of create an engraving, a rut in our brain and so that's a comfortable rut for us. And so we, anytime we try to experience anything new, anytime we try to expect something to be better, it's easy for us to kind of fall in that rut and we get comfortable in that rut and stay. I compare that rut, if you remember when you were in school and you had the wooden desk and you had the engraving area for the pencil at the top of the desk and your pencil would just kind of roll freely until it hit that engraving. And when it hit that engraving, the pencil would stay there. It wouldn't move. So take that illustration and let's apply it now to our, our mind, to our brain. 
and the idea that we would just try something new, but the, because it's uncomfortable, because it's unfamiliar, because we aren't really sure where it's going to go or what it's going to look like, what happens is we kind of fall back into that rut. And when we fall into that rut, that rut is comfortable. And so we just stay in that rut. So it's the, it's the actual science and or the illustration of you and I stepping out into something new, being uncomfortable in this new thing, and then returning back to what we know, back to the old, finding comfort and staying there. It would make sense that in order for you and I to be able to follow Jesus, for you, for you and I to experience this brand new understanding and concept of life, it would understand or it would make sense that you and I would have to be willing to let go of what we know. It makes sense for you to do something new and follow Jesus that you're going to have to be able to let go of what you know. When you are reading the New Testament, when you are reading the, the Gospels or the book of Acts or the letters that Paul writes, the epistles, you're watching this happen right in front of you because when Jesus comes on the scene with the Gospel, the Gospel message that we are saved by His sacrifice, the Gospel message that we are righteous because Christ is righteous. When he brings this idea of relationship instead of religion, this would have been a brand new thinking for people in that day. So any person that had chosen to follow Jesus was literally having to forget what they knew to be able to embrace the new. They had been taught the five first books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the, the law. They had been taught this since they were small children. So they were having to abandon what they knew for them to be able to embrace what was new. Does that make sense? Likewise, for you and I to be able to embrace the new that Scripture's talking about, we have to be okay letting go of what we know. And so I arrived at this thought that what if, what if the part of us that we have been referring to as personality, what if it's really just learned patterns? What if this you that you've been calling yourself I, I find myself doing this all the time. I'll say things like, I'm not a morning person, right? I, I'll say things like, uh, I used to say, I'm not a gym person. I used to back in the day. Uh, I, I'll say things like, I'm not a, I'm not a night person, or I don't, I, don't like, I don't like to go downtown. I'm not a downtown. You know what I mean? You start labeling yourself in these certain ways, and it's what you know, so now it's what you are. And I'm asking, what if these ways you've labeled yourselves as personality, what if they're really just learned patterns? And so therefore, it's kind of brought me to this, um, this, this friction, if you would, of the new me, K-N-E-W, versus the new me, N-E-W. One side is the new me that Scripture's referring to, that Jesus talks about, the new me. And then the other side is the New me, the K-N-E-W, the me I know. See, I've known me since I was born, right? Science right there, in case you are wondering. That's like you came all the way here for that intelligence piece of information. I've known me since I, so I've known every bad thing I've ever done. I've known every bad thought I've ever had. I know everything that's ever happened to me in a negative way. So I have developed the known me, but the known me doesn't quite line up with the new me that Jesus talks about. And I want to talk about a moment this morning, just that, the, the, the known you versus the new you. In Ephesians chapter 4, 
the author is talking about this concept of an old us and a new us. And watch what he says. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. So, so to take off your old self, which is being corrupted. Everybody say corrupted. Your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and take it off and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which we're going to talk about in July. And now watch this, to put on the new self. So we've taken off the old self, according to Ephesians 4, and we've put on a new self. But watch what it says about the new self, which was created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So Ephesians 4, he, he literally introduces you and I to the concept that there is an old us and a new us. He's not hiding it. The idea that there is an old you that is corrupted and there is a new you that is created. All right, this is what I want to touch on. The old us that we know, the old you that you know, the, the you that you label, I'm not this kind of person or I'm just this kind of person. The you that you know has been corrupted. It's been corrupted by culture. It's been corrupted by sin. It's been corrupted by the world. It's been corrupted by society. It's been corrupted. So, so the you you're talking about was corrupted by... Some, in other words, here's what I mean. Um, when I say I'm not a morning person, but I stay up till three in the morning watching Netflix, <laughs> right? It's not the reality of who I am, but who I am was corrupted by what I did. Does that make sense? So the old me has been corrupted, but he says the new me has been created. Those are two different things. The old me was corrupted, but the new me, the new me is created. That's going to be really important for us to see as we move through this message, that the you that you think you know, it's, it's, it's a corrupted you. But the you that God knows, the you that God talks about when he talks about purpose in your life, the you that God knows is a created you, and he created you. The world wants us to take what is normal, and they want us to call it what we know. The world wants you and I to walk out into culture and take what's just normal in culture and say, boop, that's what we know. We want us to go out and learn what's normal about us and go, boop, that's what I know about me. There's a problem, though, when you and I allow what's just normal to become what we know. There's a difference in what's normal and what we know. And if we're not careful, we'll combine them. So let me give you some examples, all right? I was thinking about this because the other day, uh, my, my daughter, my oldest daughter and I were talking about the way that we listen to music today which in my household, we listen to music through something called Spotify. Have y'all heard about this? Spotify. For like $9.95 a month or whatever it is, you get unlimited access. You can listen to as many songs, like all of the songs in the world are on this app. And I can, I, you, you name it, brand new album, I can search it up. Old classic album, search it up. I can look it up right here on this. And we were talking about it, and I was like, I, I started thinking about what music was like the first time I was introduced to music. You know what I mean? Like, like for some of you in here, the first time you were introduced to music, it was by record. Y'all remember that record? Get that shiny thing out, put it on there and spin it. Some of you were introduced to music by the A-track. Remember that bad boy? Yeah. I was introduced to music 
through cassette tape. That, that's what I was. I'm almost 40 years old. I was introduced to music by the cassette tape. Y'all remember the cassette tape? Remember when the tape got out and you had to get a pencil and you had to put it in the little thing and turn it to tighten it back up? Y'all remember that? You could get a cassette tape. You could get a blank cassette tape. This is how I was bootlegged because I had no money. So what I would do is I'd get a blank cassette tape, and I would, I would put it in my stereo and put my stereo on, like, the top 100 countdown or whatever it was, and I would wait until they played a song I'd like, and I'd hit record and record the song I like. Y'all remember that? Amen. And it'd be recording, and then it would stop and shift to side B. Y'all remember that? You'd be in the middle of listening to a song, and right in the middle, it'd stop changing to side B. And he's like, what? What's going on? We, we had this thing called the Walkman, okay? Because we had invented the ability to walk out in public and listen to music at the same time. This was profound. Nobody had ever done this before. And so we had like a shoebox attached to our belt. Y'all remember that? And you pop that, pop it open, pull out that tape. Can't touch this. That's what happened when I, yeah, it was the cassette tape. And, and in that time in my life, y'all, that's what I, if you would have asked me, I would have told you, we've arrived when it's come to music. We have, we have exceeded the level of human possibility when it comes to the, the, the invention of music. No longer are we you know, restricted to our house, but we got it on our belt. It will never get better than the cassette tape. And then the compact disc came out. Y'all remember the CD, as it was known for cool folks? And you, got, you had to upgrade your Walkman, and you went from a shoebox to a pizza box on your belt. Y'all remember that? And you put the CD in, and we were blessed because no longer did we have to hit fast forward and go, and you hit play. Is it there? Nope, not there. Oh, got to rewind. Like, you could just hit the skip button, right? And you could skip past the songs you didn't like and go straight to the songs you did like. And, and I was like, look, we have arrived in the idea of music. We will never be greater than the CD. This is amazing. And then the iPod shuffle came out. And we went from the pizza box to a little Tylenol capsule package. And you wore it on your belt. It, you almost couldn't see it. You know what I mean? That's how small it was. And you could download like a hundred songs on this one iPod shuffle. You could have multiple shuffles with multiple songs. And you could boop, pop it into your headphones and just mix through all your songs. And I was like, we went from having 12 songs on a CD. And now we have a hundred songs on this little Tylenol box. And we have arrived when it comes to music. And now it's on my phone, and I've got pods in my ears that aren't connected by anything, you know what I mean? And I'm listening to every song. Listen, here's what I'm trying to tell you. At one point in my life, I knew that the best we'd ever do with music was the tape player. And then I got new information. And then I knew that the best we'd ever do was the CD. And then I got new information, and then I knew the best we would ever do was the iPod. And I got new information, and I honestly don't know what's going to happen over the next five. We may have a microchip inside of our brain that we just go play that, and it just plays. Like, I don't know. It might be the mark of the beast. Who knows? But, you know, it's, it's just like it's, it, it could be crazy. I think about the phone and where the phones come from. And at one time we had the phone where you had to put your finger in the little wheel and you had to hit three and go 
Two. And you had to sit there, and you were restricted by the cord, and you could only go as far as the cord. And, and, and if, if you wanted a private conversation, you had to go stand in the living room while the phone was hung up in the kitchen, and you had to hold people. Remember that? Yeah. Then we went to the cordless phone, right? And that was great until someone forgot to put it on the charger, and then nobody could find it because it was dead. Y'all remember that? And now we got cell phones. Now people are talking. I was on a phone conversation the other day. I was talking on my phone. Watch. I was like, this is Star Trek, man. We're on a whole nother level. Because we can arrive at a place where we know something, and then we get new information, and what we think we know changes, right? Because we only know what we know. You and I, when it comes to God, when it comes to family, when it comes to finances, we only know what we know. That's part of the reason we come to church weekly is because we would like to know something that we didn't know in regards to life and God. And so we only know what we know, and we also don't know what we don't know. But it's real easy to kind of walk out and label something as final. It's real easy to walk out and assign what we know to myself. I can tell you a lot of things about me that I know, but then something happens in life and I find out that that's not what I know, right? Things change. When we are presented with a truth that challenges what we thought, what we know changes. I know this about myself, but if I'm presented with a truth that challenges what I think, then what I know changes. Let me ask you a question. What do you know about yourself right now. For a lot of us, it's negative. Well, I, I know, I, I know that I'm alone. Well, I, I know that I'm weak. I, I know that I'm, I'm not as talented as other people. I know that what I have isn't as unique and special. I know that I'm on the bottom of the totem pole. I know that I don't have friends like other people. I know that there's no way God could have that kind of calling on my, I know I'll never be as good as they. These are the things that we know about ourselves. We were at dinner last night, and the waiter, we were in, we were in a busy restaurant, and, and, and you know, in this culture nowadays, right now, it's really hard because there's a lot less waiters and waitresses, and so going to a restaurant can be kind of an ordeal, and the food was taking a while, but he was so good keeping our drinks filled, bringing us biscuits and stuff, and, and towards the end of the, the, the meal, my wife just said his name, and she said, I just want to know you were phenomenal tonight. You did a great job, and he stopped, and he looked at us, and he said, really, because I thought I was doing a terrible job. And I remember I just looked at my dad. I was like, this is what people are thinking. This is how people are thinking. Everybody's out here with this, what I know about myself, and it's not the mirror image of God's knowledge of us. But we're saying we know it. We're saying we know it because we've been taught it. Culture taught us. People taught us. Circumstance taught us. So we're walking around with this, I know I'm weak. I know I'm a loser. I know I'm not loved. I know I'm not special. I know I'll never win. I know I'll never succeed. I know I'm not. And we're saying things that we know, but we only know what we know. And when we are given truth that challenges what we know, then what we know changes. And that's what Scripture does. Scripture comes in and challenges what you and I know 
just like it would, just like, like life and, and, and culture challenges what we know about music. I know it could never be anything better than a CD player, but here comes Spotify. I know that I'll never be good at relationship, but here comes the right relationship. I know, that, I know that I'll never understand God, but then here comes the right church. Here comes the right understanding. Here comes the moment where God really changes your life. I know things will never get better, and then God steps in and changes because Scripture is one of those things that brings a new truth, and that truth challenges what we think, and because what we think is challenged, now what we know changes. Is it making sense? So we have to be careful what we say we know. Because just because we think we know it doesn't mean that it's final truth. And when we get a new truth, it can challenge it. Let me say it like this. In order for us to outgrow what we know, we have to practice something new. For me to be able to outgrow my inability to throw an axe, the guy made me practice it in a new way. For you and I to outgrow the wrong us that we know, we have to practice something new. We have to start practicing. And what is it? You start practicing scripture. You start practicing the real character of God. You start practicing being around people of God. You start practicing being around the presence of God. You're practicing something new, and it changes what you know. And so it led me to this thought. What if what we know or what we're thinking isn't definite? What if it's just our default? What if what you've been thinking about you isn't definite? What if it's just your default? What if it's just where you go when things get new or uncomfortable? What if it's not really who you are, but what if it's what you've been told you are for so long that it's what you naturally go into? It's the rut you actually fall into and you start to believe it. But what if it's not true? What if we could bring truth that challenges what you know and it would actually change how you see yourself to begin with? I don't know if y'all have experienced this, but the other day I was getting in the car and I kind of have a routine where I'll go to the gym in the morning roughly around the same time I get in my car. My car has the hookup where my phone will kind of automatically hook up to the car and kind of play. And so I put my phone in this little holder and I start the car and I put it in reverse and I go to back up. And my phone lights up, and it's GPS coordinates to the gym. And I'm like, what kind of witchcraft is this? You know what I mean? Like, how, how did my phone know I was going to the gym? And so I came home and was telling Darla about it. She's like, yeah, you know how that whole system works. It's, 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 the phone's kind of set up where it just kind of keeps in mind where you're going, and, and it's recording the fact that you're going there day after day after day, and it's finding it in that time frame. So now when you put the car in reverse at 7.30 in the morning on a Tuesday, the phone assumes, based off of your patterns, the phone assumes that you're going to the gym, so it shoots you GPS for the gym. I thought, that's crazy. Steve Jobs is stalking me from the grave. You know what I mean? This is insane. But it was just the default in my phone. It just assumed because of my patterns, it said, oh, you must be going to the gym. And so Monday, I'd get in the car, start the car, GPS to the gym. Tuesday, I'd get in the car, start the car, GPS to the gym. Wednesday, get in the car, start the car, GPS to the gym. Y'all see where I'm going with this. And so a few weeks ago, I, I started doing this regular meeting on Friday mornings. I changed my schedule up a little bit. And so that Friday came, the first Friday I did it, I went to that meeting before I went to the gym. The next Friday, I went to that meeting before I went to the gym. The next Friday, I went to that meeting before I went to the gym. And so a week comes up, I get in the car, 
I, I put my phone in it, I hit start on a Friday, start my car, boom, and it doesn't GPS me to the gym, it GPSs me to the new place I've been going, right? Y'all are like, Troy, duh, like, that's common sense. But here's why I'm telling you that. My phone was in default because of what I had been doing. The pattern that I had been keeping, my phone was automatically saying, we know where you're going. We know where you're going. But then I changed up my pattern and it changed the default, right? So now instead of defaulting to tell me I'm going to the gym, it's defaulting to tell me I'm going to this coffee shop. So what happens is because I changed something, the pattern changed, the default changed. When you and I bring in the truth of God, what I'm trying to tell you is that when we fall into this default about ourselves in a negative way, if we will continue to pour in the truth of God, we can change the default. To where now, instead of automatically thinking negative about ourselves, we can start thinking positive about ourselves. And instead of trying to do it, it'll be by default because we have introduced new truth. It's the difference in the known me and the new me. That one of the most powerful things I can do from the known me to the new me is just to evaluate the patterns in between. If I can change the pattern, if I can bring in some type of truth that challenges what I know, then because it was default, the default changes, and now what I know changes. Think about it like this. If it's just my default, it doesn't have to be my destiny. If what I'm experiencing, let me, let me I'll, I'll try to make it as practical as I can. If me not being good in relationships is just my default, then it's not my destiny. Does that make sense? If I can't keep a job, it's just my default, then it's not my destiny. If, if nobody seems to love me, it's just a default, it's not my destiny. If I'll never be able to change, it's just a default, then it's not my destiny. And when you and I can get it in our mind that the me we think we know is just default, Unless it's the mirror image of Christ, it's just default. All the negative thoughts are just default. And I'm here to tell you that if it's just default, it doesn't have to be your destiny. You can change it. The power of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God will change it. And what I'm learning, and the reason why you're going to always hear me preach this idea, is that it's not about what you're doing to change it. It's about allowing God to change it. It's to quit making excuses because, oh, well, that's just me. And to realize that that's not the known you, that was the learned you. And that that was corrupted by evil desires and by culture. And that the real you, the God you, was created. And when we look back to the creator, we end up finding the new us. I shared for the past couple of weeks that I've had different opportunities to talk with my dad as he's seen some transformation in his life and it was funny how it kind of lined up with this thought. And so a friend of mine put together this testimony video, and I want you to watch it. I'm Gary Pell, Troy's father. When did you move to Panama City, Florida? I moved here in June of 2006. As a kid, I mean, my parents sent my brother and I to 
church just like every other kid. You run off to Sunday school. We weren't a church family. We weren't like that. Somewhere in my younger life, I got saved and baptized. Got baptized in Hatchie River in Haywood County, Tennessee. So all these years, I've been saved, and I knew I was saved, but I'm not 100% sure that I felt saved. I'm 66 years old. I lived 60 years of my life in a dark, dark place, and I really never knew how dark it was until I got out of it. How did I survive that all these years? When I would hear pastors say, you need to just turn your problems over to God, that sounded really bad to me because I've never turned any problem I had over to someone else. I dealt with it, probably dealt with it poorly, but I dealt with it. I think I just finally got so far down in the pit that I had to do something. I tried for years and years to thinking I could get myself out of it and I made zero progress. I just couldn't come to terms and people would say, give it to God. It'd be like going out here and running up a credit card to the limit and then going, here, Dad, I can't deal with this. Would you please handle this? That's the way I related to handing my burdens to God. I just couldn't do it. That's terrible. Who would do that to God? I just said, you know what I need to do? I just need to start praying. And I don't mean saying God is great, God is good. I mean praying. And I started doing that during the day while I'm painting at night, in the morning. And all of a sudden, I just came out of it. Like, and I was out of my dark place. After all these years, I figured out that that's all he ever wanted me to do, was just give it to him. And so I've spent the last several months just now I'm thanking God for every single moment that I'm finally a happy person. Now I'm filled with hunger, the craving to learn more, to do more, to be more, to, to see more. If that one thing could change that drastically in my life, I want to see what else could change. Start right now. Start praying and get familiar with what it's like to talk to God. Just talk to him like he was sitting right here in the chair beside you and just say, hey, here's what's going on in my life and I don't know what to do. Um, is there any way you could help me? And I'm here to tell you, if you stick with that, he will help you. He will help you. And I'm, y'all all see me sitting here. I'm living proof of it. This was the biggest thing I ever did to change my life. And it took nothing other than just asking him to do it. So I know God did this. And who knew I've raised a boy and he ends up helping me more than I ever did. You know, it's funny, after filming that video and having different opportunities to sit with him and talk with him, he, he really is new. 
he's in town. He was at the first service, and he, he truly is a new person. And I think my favorite thing about what he's saying, kind of how he started off by saying, I, I couldn't wrap my mind around just giving all my problems to God. Just didn't seem right. And then towards the end, he said, come to find out that's all he wanted me to do. That the secret for you and I to go from the person that we've known to a person that is new is to just give up and let God have it. I don't know how many of y'all have small children. And I guess really this kind of applies to even teenagers, but I've had moments with my kids where they were trying to fix something and I knew that it was going to take them a long time and they were still not going to succeed and that I could fix it pretty quickly if they would just let me have it. But there's kind of this pride in them that wants to be the one to do it. And so you end up with this back and forth conversation with your child where you say, if you'll just let me have it, if you'll just let me see it, I'll fix it. No, 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 I got it, right? Y'all heard that? I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I got it. And you're just sitting back going, look, this would be a lot easier. I just see that as a parallel picture of our father. Where we're going, look, this is the me I know, but this is not the me I want to be. And so I'm fixing it. And God says, if you'll just give it to me, I'll fix it. No, no, I got it. I got it. And God's going to, if you'll just give it to me, if you'll just give it to me. In the book of Jeremiah, the Bible says that, or the Lord says, when you were in your mother's womb, but before I ever formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew you. My first thought on that was this. A lot of times when we think we're going to a new us, we think that this is us and we're bad. And now we got to get some, we got we to get to the new and the new is something we've never been. And so we got to get to the new. But what I hear that saying is that we were always created new. We began right. We begin created in the image of God. We're not trying to get to something we've never been. We always were. We always were. It's just that opportunity for you and I to be able to quit trying, right? Quit trying to do it on our own and just say, God, here, you can have it. My dad said, I, I just put my hands in the air and change has happened in my life. That verse went on to say, I have set you apart. Yo, listen to the verse for a second. I, God, have set you apart. There's no moment in that verse where you have responsibility. There's no moment in that verse where it's about you trying. God says, just give it to me. Give it to me. I'm the one. I'm the one that sets you apart. I'm the one that created. I said to you at the beginning of the message that the old us, the known us, is corrupted, but the new us was what? Created. Created. And so I, my, my cry to you this morning, especially from that video, is that you would be moved in a place to just say, you know what, I'm done trying. 
if it worked for him, maybe it'll work for me. I just want to put my hands up there and say, God, I don't know how to keep it. I just need you. I just need you. And then last night we're at dinner and we're talking. And my dad just kind of mentioned kind of slightly that, that sometimes he's afraid that he's going to return to the old him. He's so excited about this new him and this change. And he's like, I'm just kind of worried that. And I, and I shared some thoughts there, but, but this morning I'm praying. And I knew it was Father's Day and I'm processing all of that. And the Lord gave me this thought. How crazy would it be for my kids to walk into the room on Father's Day morning, look me in the eyes and say, Dad, I love you. Happy Father's Day. But I'm a little worried that I'm going to lose being your daughter. I hadn't been the best kid. Made a lot of mistakes. We've been doing really good. I've been, I'm, I'm eight years, I'm 13 years being your daughter. It's going pretty well, but there's parts of me that's worried that I might end up making a mistake and falling off and then I'm no longer, no longer going to be your daughter. Isn't that a crazy thought? It's a crazy thought. Here's why it's a crazy thought. Because I would then look at my daughter and I would say, you can't, you can't fall off from being my daughter. You're not my daughter because of what you do. You're my daughter because I created you. That's what makes you my daughter. Not what you've done. Matter of fact, you can go do whatever you want. You're still my daughter. You can change your name. You can marry some loser. Right? I'm just kidding. But the fact is, you are still my daughter. Now, I was so reassured this morning that no matter what we do, no matter how we've been taught, no matter how we've been corrupted, we were created. We were created as a daughter of the king. We were created as a son of God. We were created in him. And so if we're tired of the known us and we really want the new us, then all we really got to do is put our hands in the air and say, Father, I need you. So do me a favor. Everybody stand in this room. Worship team, I'll invite you up. I thought it'd be a cool opportunity to just kind of end today with just that opportunity, just an opportunity for us to be very transparent with God, to worship God. I do, I do want to say this real quick before we get into our prayer time. If, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, and you want to start following Jesus today, on the seat in front of you is a QR code. You can scan that QR code and it's going to kind of give you some next steps if you wanted to be baptized in water, if you wanted, again, to start following Jesus so that we could reach out to you and kind of help you, direct you a little bit. But I just, you know, I'm watching this testimony of my dad and, and he's looking out to you, to us, and just saying, anybody can have this. Anybody can experience what he's experienced. All you got to say all you got to do is just put your hands up in the air. God, I need you. So if what you've known is broken marriages, then you can put your hands up and go, God, I need you. If what you've known is addiction, you can put your hands up and just say, God, I need you. 
if what you've known is insecurity, if what you've known is constant failure after failure after failure, if what you've known is something less than what you expected or way less than what you envisioned or dreamed, listen, no matter what it is that you know, if what you're wanting is the new that the Bible talks about, all we have to do is put our hands up in the air and say, Father, I need you. I need you. So let's do that this morning. Just close your eyes wherever you are. And however you feel comfortable, maybe it's putting your hands up in the air. If you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to do that. It's, it's a heart thing. But wherever you feel comfortable, just in a moment, just to be able to say, God, I need you. I want to be made new. I want to experience what was talked about in that video. I want to be set free. I want to be healed from past hurts. I want to get a clear picture of what it means to be a daughter of the king, to be a son of God. I want to finally forgive and forget. I want healing, deliverance. I'm tired of the known me. I want to finally embrace the new me. So come on right now, let's just ask him. Just in, in, in the most organic way that you can. Whatever works for you right now in this place. Father, I pray right now, your Holy Spirit in this room, that you would do what I cannot do. That you would speak to every individual in the way that they need to be spoken to. That there could be somebody on the left side of the room, all the way to the right side of the room. that just has a moment of experiencing you. A moment of surrender. Somebody in this room has been trying and trying and trying and they're exhausted and you're saying to them right now, if you'll just give it to me, if you'll just surrender, I'll make what you've known new right now. For the person in this room that's worried that they're going to mess something up, that they're going to mess up the change you've done in their life. Remind them today, they're changed because of you. They're righteous because of you. They're saved because of you. I pray for affirmation right now. For that person that's losing faith because of what has happened, because of what currently is happening. Father, like the man in the Bible that said, I got faith, but help me with my unbelief. I pray for unbelief right now, Father. If that's you, would you just surrender it to him right now? Come on, you're struggling with something right now. You don't know how it's going to work. Would you just give it to him? You're trying to figure out marriage. Would you give it to him? You're trying to figure out how to parent. Would you give it to him? Figuring out your finances, would you give it to him? Oh, the song talks about coming and laying down our burdens broken, weary. Come on, if that's you this morning, would you just surrender it to God? Let's begin to worship Him. Come on, and however you might do it, just begin to make that surrender, Father.